and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast, where we exist to connect the story of God with the story of man. We believe that all of our stories and lives fit within God's bigger story, and our desire is to help you, the listener, see all of your life in light of God and His story. My name's Raven, and I'm joined by Andrew, one of the pastors here, Gabe, who works with In Common, and Amanda, who works with Youth for Christ. Mm -hmm. And today we are discussing Be the Bridge. Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, as Andrew had said on the last one. Uh. Whatever time you're listening, we're just excited that you're here. I am with Gabe, who was formerly our worship leader, and now mm-hmm. he is at In Common. And Gabe, we're just excited you're back and still on the podcast. Yeah, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe, give us a quick snapshot. What's the last couple of weeks been like since you've started being full-time at In Common? Oh, man. it's uh, Every day's an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a good way? Or bad way? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's actually. Awesome. So we've actually just gone back to um, the office, which is really helpful because I went from, you know, kind of, we were in the office here for a while and then back to just home <laughs> alone, mm-hmm. which was crazy. So I'm really thankful to be back with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amanda, you're, you're just saying you've been working from home for, what has it been now? Five months? Since March 15th. Yeah. Oh, so however many been, months that is. Yeah. Today's September 23rd yeah. that we're recording this. Um, but you're still working from home primarily or half and half now? I had been. Um, my organization just hired a new administrative assistant. So I've been back in the office full time training her. Mm. Wow. So, But you I, like working from home. I definitely said. prefer working from home. Okay. Yeah. I'm much more productive Dang. at home. Mm. What do you think it is? Is it just no interruptions? Being able to take a nap at 12 or? Yeah, yeah that helps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nap, nobody it? interrupts me at home. Yeah. Raven, you said you liked working at home too, right? Oh yeah. I loved working at home. My roommates actually would come up to my room and knock on my door at five o'clock and be like, okay, you've been up here too long. It's time to go on a walk. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just nice. Great roommates. I know. They're pretty awesome. So it was nice. You didn't like working from home, did you, Andrew? No. Oh, why not? Was it, well, it was just too, it was, it was too distracting. So I was more distracted because I had a little two-year-old and then Bailey was very pregnant at that time. And so it was, life was just chaotic. Um, so I do like being back in the office. Mm. And I shut my door more often now, though, so that I am interruption-free. Mm. Just certain points of the day. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you have to be strategic sometimes because it's fun being in an office with a bunch of people, but you also want to have times to be able to focus too. So it's definitely finding that balance. But today we are super excited because you guys are joining us to kind of talk about Be the Bridge, the book by Latasha Morrison. And I kind of want you guys to just give us an overview of the book, but then also give us insight into why you were interested in reading it in the first place. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I'm really thankful for Providence and for Jared, who kind of started it with, I think Kim helped like select the curriculum. And so me and Amanda, funny enough, we're actually in the same cohort with Kim Mm -hmm. Seipel, who's our bookkeeper at Providence. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. Same. Yeah, I suppose I was interested because, well, I'd never read a book like Latasha's before, and I'd never really engaged much in the conversation of race and injustice and... um, yeah, I just grew up in a place where that wasn't really a common topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i not really sure what sparked my interest, but I just wanted to do something different. And yeah, I was open-minded to it. So yeah, my husband and I did it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Andrew and I have not read the book. And so for us and for listeners too, what are some of the key facets of the book? What is it really about? And what is it trying to bridge the gap for? Yeah, she mostly gives an overview of what she believes are the steps um, that are required 
um, to move toward racial reconciliation. So yeah, she mentions awareness or acknowledgement of the problem. And um, a big piece of that is lamenting it, like allowing uh, yourself to grieve the um, injustices and the hurts that people have experienced. And then um, she talks about confessing sin and um, extending and accepting forgiveness. Yeah. And then uh, repentance and making amends is part of that process as well. And then um, multiplying that, like Mm -hmm. to be a bridge builder um, is to be willing to engage in the process of racial reconciliation and then also lead others through the process as well. So the idea when it's titled be the bridge, that's a call for people to bridge the gap between different races or cultures or, or what specifically? Yeah, I think so. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) I think she, she, her vision comes from the vision of, um, so she would say that the, in the church today, we have different uh, churches that are dominated by different races, predominantly because that's by design. And so she would say that segregated churches um, of the past have led to segregated churches of the present. Mm. But that's not the vision that, as she would say in Revelation, that we get of heaven, you know, a segregated heaven isn't the vision. And so in some ways she, um, she wants to take elements of what we see in the future and bring them to the present as far as the way that church life exists in America. Mm. And so I think that that is, I think what she's trying to get is how do we create cultures that are multi-ethnic and it could not just black, white, but um, I think, yeah, surrounding all sort of ethnicities. But I think that's her vision for like the, the church to be, uh, a place, but she sees that coming through these bridge building networks as a network. Yeah. Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah. groups across the nation. Is that yeah. right? Or like, yeah. What is that? What is the like groups or network be the bridge? Yeah. So her organization called be the bridge. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She started some, it's very on brand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She started there. I think they began as discussion groups or, um, yeah, just groups where people could come together and talk about race and racism and things along that vein. And it just sort of multiplied, kind of like how she talks about in the book, like multiplying that is kind of the goal. Mm. So once you've been a part of a Be the Bridge group, um, yeah, she encourages people to multiply that and start other groups with other people just to get the conversation started and also to yeah multiply and spread the conversation. Mm. You, Amanda, you had mentioned one of the things in her book, she talks about the idea of lamenting. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a little bit foreign to most people in general. So not just in the, the racial conversation, but just in general. I don't know if we like lament super well, but what was her, what's her aim with that? Or, or what was a, a takeaway that you had from, from the idea? So maybe help explain mm-hmm. what does that, what does she mean when she says that we need to lament in this area? And what is it? Yeah. What's kind of a takeaway from that? Yeah, I think. Lamenting means caring about the events and the, yeah, both historical and current events that have affected people, yeah, in really negative ways. So, yeah, she kind of talks about like lamenting coupled with awareness. So, the first, I guess, step toward lament is to acknowledge and be aware that there is a problem with injustice and racism in our society. And to take that a step further, like grieving that is an important part of like moving through the process of reconciliation. Because if we don't acknowledge the problem and if we don't care, (laughs) then we'll be very unlikely to pursue any sort of solution. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's, yeah, lament is sort of acknowledging and grieving, just allowing yourself to be sad about, um, yeah, hurts in our society. Did you guys, either in your cohort or even just personally, did you talk at all about or think about what is that, what does that actually look like to do that? So to, to lament, to genuinely, yeah. so not just like see a news story and say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's, that's bad somewhere mm-hmm. in Minneapolis or wherever, but what does it actually look like to lament that? Like it, just kind of practically. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, for one, like you've said, Andrew, it is a foreign concept. Um, and so I think for us, even just entering into, um, that I'll call it like a space, like the lament space without necessarily looking for solutions right away is a powerful step. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think so often we're quick to think through how do we, how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. What do we do? But to just say, uh, it's broken and I just, you know, I need to make my protest to God and just say like, this isn't how it's supposed to be partially, but for my own fault, partially for the broken world mm-hmm. and just realizing that, um, yeah, there is brokenness. It's yeah. It's maybe just that it's like, um, when you realize your sin for the first time and you, you don't really know what to do with it. Mm. But obviously the next step is to like repent, right. To, to actually seek like repentance for whatever it is, whether it's your fault or someone else's fault, mm. not that you can seek repentance for other people, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I mean, does that sound kind of what you were thinking? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It kind of made me think of a part of the book that she talked about, like Daniel and Ezra in the Bible, kind of lamented and acknowledged sin, not only their own personal sin, but the sin of their, their people. So like part of the lament is acknowledging that like, maybe I'm not personally guilty. Maybe I am, but there's a whole history and a whole society of people that I belong to and we have wronged Mm -hmm. other people and like kind of taking corporate responsibility. Totally. Yeah, it's so. that whole idea that like any society is built by the people that inhabit it, right? Mm. And so a society is made in the image of like the people that live there, mm. right? And so to some extent, the image that we've like put up is the society that like we live in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is like a corporate thing yeah. which flies in some ways in against like the individual liberal like beliefs of our mm-hmm. day, right? Um that we are individuals and only the choices that we make affect us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not, not how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I think one of the things that that's so intriguing, even when you said it was just, um, I feel like maybe I've seen it either in conversations with people or especially probably uh, on like social media and stuff. But when you, when you hear uh, a news story like this or when something gets brought up, it doesn't feel like maybe there's a lot of, either lament or I don't know if it's empathy or what it feels like even news stories that are, that are horrible situations. It feels like our, our instant reaction recently is to um, make a comment about it or to Mm. use that to, to explain something instead of just genuinely like being broken and Mm -hmm. hurt over Mm. it, it, no matter, you know, and it, and there's all the debates of, you know, all the different stories that have come out and all that stuff is maybe fine at some level, but it does feel like, no matter what happens, like if, if there's obvious brokenness or sin, like every time we see this, there should just be a posture of like hurt and, and lament and, yeah. and grief over it. No matter what your like yeah. viewpoint 
on it is, if there is any sort of like injustice or, um, or anything like that. So I just feel like that's an interesting or an intriguing call. I feel like that's a helpful, um, push to make because it seems like maybe we're lacking. I don't know if we're lacking that more now than before. Maybe it's just more evident because we can see it easier, but it does feel like that immediate response of empathy, brokenness, lament, is maybe missing in these conversations a lot. Yeah, totally. Would you guys experience, like in in conversations you've had, have you experienced something similar? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think a lot of times people want to look at an event and try and decide who is right and wrong. Mm. But I think most people can agree that no human should die at the hands of another. And that's just, that's sad. And that's a tragedy. And it doesn't matter who is right or wrong. So yeah, I think realizing that the death of a person is something to grieve. Mm. doesn't matter what color they are, what their position is in society. It just shouldn't happen. Yeah, it is. It is. I've seen exactly what you've said, Andrew, just like um, with like tragedies, there's almost like uh, a running tally to see like who's had the most. Mm. Um, but yeah, as a Christian, I think, you know, our position can be deeply informed by just the, you know, the value of life, no matter what age you are. Um, so much value to our life because God's given it value. Yeah. Yeah. So as you guys are reading this, those are some of the things that stuck out to you. Did you have anything in the book that you didn't really necessarily agree with that she brought up just a different perspective or a thought process or anything like that, that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't agree with? Or did you feel like for the most part, most of the book you were on board, same mindset, everything? I don't think there's anything I disagreed with. Mm-hmm. I do think this is a book that if you did disagree with it, you would probably put it down in the first mm-hmm. like couple chapters. I think one yeah. of our guys in our cohort was making that exact same comment. What's his name? Nathan. Nathan. Yes. He's a mathematician down at Creighton. Nice. Very cool human. Um, <laughs> very smart human. Um, highly intellectual. Highly intellectual. <laughs> but he, he made the point, and I think Morrison even makes this in her book, that this isn't necessarily going to convince you of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't come into this book trying to be convinced of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're already on the fence or want to know what to do about, you know, whether it's a fight against systemic injustice or it's, uh, you know, how do you bring different races together? Like this is a book that could help you in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely not going to take someone who doesn't believe in those things to a new mm-hmm. place, right? This yeah. is for people who are, have already bought into some sort of ideal or some sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So if there are certain things within this book that's basically equipping people and maybe our church, if that's the biggest reason to read it of, okay, if you want to know the next step, what are some of those next steps that she talks about in her book to have the conversation or to start building bridges? What are some of those things? Yeah, so lament was the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, there's five steps, right? Or something like that. I think so. Um, Acknowledgement and lament. And then moving into confession and forgiveness, both extending and accepting forgiveness. Um, Yeah. And then repentance. So choosing to think differently or act differently. Um, And she talked a lot about making amends. So she used an example of uh, an employee at a small company um, getting a certain salary. And the boss said, I will pay you this much. And three weeks later, the employee realizes, well, I never, I never got my raise or I never, Mm. I didn't get as much as you promised me. And, um, she talked about the difference between the boss saying, oh, well, that's too bad. Um, from now on, I will, I will pay you what I told you I would. And she talked about how, like, 
anyone would say, no, that's not fair. You owe me a certain amount from the amount that you shorted me before. Mm -hmm. And she compared that to like how we can move forward in this conversation. Like there is a whole history of like hurts and, and wrongs and we can recognize that and choose to move forward. But we also have to be willing to somehow make amends for Um, the wrongs done in the past, even Mm -hmm. if we're not personally responsible, kind of that idea of like corporate responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So making amends was sort of a a huge part of that process. Totally. Yeah. And that was where they brought in the big, big R word that nobody likes to talk about called reparations, Mm -hmm. which is, um, which is funny because there's a lot of different views on this. Some Mm -hmm. people are like, I've had friends that done this on uh, Instagram or whatever. They're like, if, uh, I'm trying to pay out some reparations, uh, send me your Venmo and I'll give you money. <laughs> and oh then our friend, Nathan, who's a mathematician, he's like, that's never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you need like this has, you know, because it was a societal, like a structural thing. If you know, those sorts of whatever have to come like structurally, not mm-hmm. just individually. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like a lot of things around that, but it was really interesting to hear people's around the circle as we went through that chapter. Cause it was, <laughs> <laughs> It was a foreign concept even to me. So it was, yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think? So with, with the amends thing, I mean, so kind of what you're just saying, Gabe, so we could look at, I guess with the push of, if somebody is listening to this and they want to pick up this book and read it, does she either say, or would you guys recommend Cause you could go back to like problems with the whole human race. You could go to problems with America specifically in our history. Yeah. You could look at, uh, our city and the problems that we've had in our city. You can look at your own family line. Like, mm-hmm. so for just the individual who's picking this book up and reading it, how do they think through some of that stuff? Cause the problem, there's a lot of different avenues and bigger streams of yeah. problems. So when you're yeah. thinking about a step towards making amends, how would somebody even start thinking about that? Mm. Yeah. That's <laughs> a hard question. <laughs> that is a hard question. And I don't know if we've, I don't think she lands anywhere. It's just, yeah, I think, cause I mean, you have to look at it at two different levels, right? Cause there's an individual like interpersonal level mm-hmm. and there's like the, you know, there's a political structural level, mm-hmm. both of which are made up of people and we construct both of those in some way. And so, yeah, I think as far as making amends, man, I think scripture, um, I don't know. This is, yeah, it's so hard because there's like a, a forgiveness aspect but that's, um, you know, and like God forgives. And so, yeah, it's, I don't, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> have an answer either. Yeah. But Morrison, if you read a book, she does, you just gotta, it's in the last part. So you gotta read all the Get way all through. The way. <laughs> <laughs> don't put it down after that first chapter. Oh, my word. But yeah, I mean, I think the general concept for the individual is that, as like people, like we are wronged and there is a a way to make things like right between Mm -hmm. each other, right? The gospel doesn't just, um, you know, make amends between us and the divine, but between, you know, brother and brother and sister and sister. And Mm -hmm. so to some Mm -hmm. degree, the belief that we have in Christ to forgive us should um, extend to those like around us. Mm -hmm. Um, And also to like, to like forgive or to give beyond for those who have been you know, yeah, maybe brought up on the wrong side of a system. Mm. And I think that's good too, because even what you were saying earlier with 
and Amanda, you were saying this too, just with that corporate amends or lamenting for everyone, it also takes a responsibility onto yourself rather than that whole, I think of the you do you mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what you want to do? You do you. That's fine. I'm going to go do my own thing. But if you're broken on behalf of everyone and you're trying to make a change, then it puts the responsibility on you and on others in order to help mm. make that movement. Because like you were yeah. saying, Gabe, if it's just kind of on one individual, it doesn't really work unless it's a whole societal movement yeah. or that there's some system that changes in the end. I mean, again, I still think it starts with the individual. Yeah. Yes. But I think that in order to have it be lasting change, it has to end up being societal change. And in order to do that, I think you truly have to take on the responsibility for your society. And if multiple people are doing that, then I feel like the society is mm-hmm. taking responsibility for itself. Totally. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, yes. I mean, that's the whole idea of a bridge, right? You know, you mm-hmm. get one stone across a river, you just, uh, you float away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if you have, you know, multiple people becoming this bridge, theoretically, you know, it's like um, a road to a new world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so then how have you both started to become a bridge? So if those are the five tenets or ways that she talks about starting the conversation. How have you started that in your own lives after reading this book? Well, I feel like an opportunity was offered to me at work. Um, So I was asked by our executive director to lead, um, sort of facilitate the conversation. So it's a very, I guess, dedicated small team uh, focused on just continuing this conversation in our organization. And yeah, I feel like I'm, way in over my head it's a really hard task but um I feel really strongly about it and yeah so that's that's just an opportunity that I've had to to continue the conversation and and by no means have I like arrived at some solution or um yeah we're still working through it but yeah it's just it's a good opportunity totally so. that's awesome yeah how did your coworkers feel towards the conversation um they're there are a few who were interested in being on the team. And so those are the people who are on the yeah. team, <laughs> um, you know, cause we're a staff team of 40 people. And I mean, we kind of run the gamut of viewpoints and positions and theologies and all of that. And so, um, yeah, but the people who didn't really want to be a part of the conversation or aren't ready for that yet, aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's maybe half a dozen of us who are meeting every couple of weeks just to, keep talking about how we can um, bring this conversation into our whole team and then let it affect our ministries and programs mm-hmm. and the students that we work with and their families and yeah, just kind of affect um, greater change. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I think from, from my perspective, um, yeah, her book was, it was really, um, it was really full of like stories and, different things. But I think the the underlying theme was just this theme of listening, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a good, um, just trait to have in general, but mm-hmm. to see, um, the power of listening, um, yeah, highlighted was, I think really helpful. And so I think in my life, the thing, um, yeah, I think that God's been maybe showing at least my wife and I over the last few years is, you know, this idea of practicing the presence, listening to God, mm-hmm. but then also listening to like our, you know, our fellow humans, um, and, you know, trying to understand their experience in a way that, um, yeah, that can only really happen through like listening, um, and trying to go beyond your bias. You know, mm-hmm. it's like really hard to, we all have biases. We all have, you know, preferences. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, I think, yeah, the book was really good to highlight just listening and to, mm-hmm. to sort of rekindle that flame of, um, being very intentional with listening to people. 
mm. when we meet new people. Yeah. Yeah. She sort of starts the book like a, well, I don't know if it's her or if it's the preface of the book. Um, she talks about humility. So entering into this conversation with a posture of humility and that just what you were talking about, Gabe, about listening. I mean, we can't really listen or learn without a posture of humility. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's really key to talking about these things. That's good. Maybe last question. Um, you, we've kind of touched on it slightly, but maybe explicitly um, give a, a recommendation either like, so who would you say, Hey, if you're kind of in, in this place, you really need to read this book. And, um, maybe like you said before, if you're kind of here, this probably isn't the book for you. So kind of on both sides, how would you recommend this book to people? Yeah, I would say if you, uh, don't believe there is a race problem, at least in the West, um, there's a lot of other things you could read. A lot of other Twitter pages you can follow. Uh, it's probably not the book for you. But if you are at a place where you you realize there's something, you know, you, may, you might not know what it is, but there's something wrong, um, and you don't know what to do next. Like this provides some, I think, some clear yeah. stories and some clear, just personal questions to ask, and even laments to pray, which is I think really powerful. That she gives us like a little bit of a liturgy mm-hmm. in her book. Yep. Yep. I would agree. Yeah, if, if you don't know what to do next, this is a great next step. Well, thank you both for joining us. And thank you all for listening as we discuss Be the Bridge. It is a book by Latasha Morrison. So if you're interested in that, you can look it up on Google, check it out. Maybe put it on your Goodreads list. And Goodreads. Yeah, just- <laughs> follow me Space Game at Goodreads.com. <laughs> So we hope that you have a wonderful week this week. Again, the goal of this podcast is to connect the story of God with the story of man and see all of our lives in light of God and his story. So if you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. And if you have any questions, thoughts, or future podcast topics, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.